All right, so y'all see that live sign? That means we are back. It's some of this, yeah. some of that podcast. This episode, what episode is this, bro? Episode 31. 30, episode 31. 31. Um, yeah. I'm T, so we got Coach Mo. Uh, and as you can see, we got two special guests here today. Um, we have Miss Edwina Thompson and Mr. Darnell Weathersby. Uh, before I get to let them introduce themselves, I just want to give a little background on how I know these two awesome educators. Obviously, we went to the most, probably the best school um i would say world but i'll just go ahead and say chicago <laughs> lane tech the Merlin goal is in the building not only do we go to the same high school y'all we get class 99 don't don't forget that the best class <laughs> to come out of lane tech <laughs> um so yeah i'm so excited to be able to chat with them today just to talk about some education things but um i'm gonna let them introduce themselves and you know give a little background before we get into our discussion so if you want to start Edwina or uh Everyone, go ahead. Ladies first. <laughs> oh, gentlemen, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for this invitation. My name is Edwina Thompson. I am the very proud, proud principal of Lane Tech College Prep High School yeah. in Chicago, Illinois. Class of 99. That's right. That's right. Uh, I still have the spray painted T-shirt to prove it. That's real, back at we know we really telling our age now. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and this is my 19th year as an educator, and uh, 16 of those years have been spent at Lane Tech College Prep High School. First as an English teacher, and then as an assistant principal um, for 11 years, and then I shifted into the role that I'm in now as principal of Lane. Nice, nice. nice. All right, Darnell, you on deck. <laughs> All right. Darnell Weathersby, um, assistant principal at Plainfield North High School. This is also, I believe, year 18 for myself. Um, seven years in the classroom as an algebra teacher. This is my 11th year in administration. Um Proud husband, um, father of two, and just excited to be here talking about the state of education. So thank you again for the invite. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's um, I think it's awesome that I mean one reason why I wanted to bring you guys on because I know um, as educators, if you if you went to a black school, you probably had a black principal usually, but in diverse yeah. settings, it's usually you don't have a lot of black administrators. So I thought yeah. it was important to get you know you guys on there to see faces that you know there are trying to make some strides into that area. So just just to get you know, started in there. Did you guys always know you're going to be teachers? I feel like y'all always did because I feel like y'all always were like, y'all y'all kind of like the same personality that you had in high school. And I feel like Elwina was always like somebody mama. And I feel like Darnell was always somebody like somebody deacon. So I feel like y'all probably was always going to be <laughs> where you were at today. But did y'all always know you're going to be teachers? <laughs> 
Um, I will say I'll give a shout out to my dean of education at Trinity where I went. Um, I originally didn't major in education. I was like undecided. But my first semester as a freshman, I was like flunking out of music class. I'm thinking I was going to do something with music. (laughs) They're like, you have to go back home because you can't do music. I don't know what you're doing. And my dean of education was like, I've been watching you. And you have no problem talking in front of people. Mm. Have you ever considered? And literally, second semester freshman year changed my life. Like, it wasn't even in my trajectory. Mm. But she saw it in me, signed me up, Mm. and the rest is history. So, Mm. yeah. That's nice. What about you, Edwina? Um, I always wanted to go into education. I actually used to make my cousins my students when we were little. So I knew it, but when I entered college, I doubled major to start in elementary ed and business. My first day on campus, I went to get help with class selection uh, from the business department. And it was not the most pleasant experience. And I remember going to the registrar and saying, nope, I'm not, I'm not a part of that. And so I thought I wanted to do elementary ed until I met my uh, college professor. Her name was Professor Barbara Dixon at Stevens Point. And I was so amazed by her uh, class. It was Southern Women Writers at Stevens Point. And so, of course, that was uh, we read a lot of Black female authors. And me, like, wait a minute. I love this. I love the discussion, reading uh, their stories. And I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And then I changed my major to secondary English education with a minor in computer information systems, believe it or not. And and I just ran with it. I didn't know it. that. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. shortly after, I said, you know what? I want to be a teacher, but one day I want to be a principal. And I didn't know when. I just saw it like down the road, like one day later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't yeah. imagine before 40 or yeah. yeah, before 40, but, um, so yeah, that was dope. So, I mean, so that, that transition from being a teacher to, to administration, like, how was that? Like, I know that it's already hard being a teacher, but to transition into administration, yeah. like how, how did, how was that? Like, yeah, I would say like, it was my seventh year going into my eighth year. So I got my master's from Temple when I was living outside of Philly for about eight years. Um, and you, I for me, I just felt that itch. I was like, okay, they already got me doing a bunch of stuff around here, but I'm not getting paid for it. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring teachers, I'm helping new teachers. And I'm like, hey, I can do this right. and do right. it well. If I'm a good teacher, I can equip teachers to be better teachers. So then mm-hmm. I just started the, the, you know, the the ball moving in that direction. But around year five, year six, I was like, okay, if I can impact a hundred kids, yeah. why not impact yeah. the whole building and impact those teachers mm-hmm. who are impacting all these other kids? So that mm-hmm. kind of did it for me. Okay. Okay. I, impact is very interesting. So when I went to get my master's, I was getting it for down the road. Mm-hmm. Like, let me do this now. I don't want to let, allow too much time to lapse between my bachelor's and my master's. And I remember in my last year of my master's program, I was approached about, well, why have you considered applying for an assistant principalship? I'm like, uh, yeah, one day, but not right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was in my 20s at that time. And, um, and a position opened up. And 
I was encouraged by another administrator who said you would be phenomenal at this. And I realized I was already working with so many other students outside of my classroom because I was right. a debate coach, gospel choir, and BSA. Mm -hmm. And relationships and connections with students outside of my typical classroom, I feel like some of those relationships were even more vital because they spent they spent time with me outside of grades. And mm -hmm. I just was able to develop and kind of push them and motivate them. And they spent a lot of time in my classroom. And so I decided, I said, you know what? I think that I can make this happen. And I had good relationships with my colleagues. And um, and I felt like, man, if I can work with the adults who are then helping the children, how far can this actually go? Mm -hmm. And so that was that was it for me. And there was no turning back. That's what's up. Um, so one thing I want to just ask about, you know, a couple things. So I know I've been hearing a lot about teacher shortages because I got a lot of teacher friends. And so why do you think like, I mean, I know teacher jobs are not sexy. You know, it's, it's not a sexy job because it's rough. I mean, like we talked about before we got on the show, you guys got to get up four o'clock in the morning to be at school, you know, at six o'clock. So it's not, it's not an easy job. I know teachers that have been doing it for years. It's, it's a love thing. You have to have a love for it. So, but with that being said, why do you think like, what's the, what's the big thing? Like, I guess, factor that you're thinking is keeping people from going into the education field because it's, it's such a need. And it's, I always see like people that have job fairs and education fairs. Like, what do you think, what's the gap between, you know, the teachers or our communities in getting more teachers. Yeah. You want me to go, go first, first. Darnell? <laughs> um, well, I, I think there's more than one reason. Um, one, a lot of, I'll say, a lot of the reasons that people used to go into teaching was because people spoke about teaching as such a highly regarded profession. Mm -hmm. And so it was like if you were a teacher, you were highly regarded by your community, you were respected. Mm -hmm. people wanted to know what you had to say about the topic. Mm -hmm. You're considered vital and, you know, and essential to making sure that our world would be a better place one day. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times now there's, there's such a, a negative cloud and there's so much more that goes into it. Um, a lot of red tape that people have to go through that I believe that certain people actually encourage their own children, don't go into education. Or mm -hmm. children watch their parents and they're like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. well, my doing, that's it. No, mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. I believe that that's part of it. But I do believe that the narrative around the importance of teachers mm -hmm. and respect for the position and the mm -hmm. job and what it actually means, I believe that that narrative has changed. I don't believe that the work has changed. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I believe that it's still very much so important, but the story that's told around it, mm -hmm. it's not the same. And yeah. it's not, right. so that's what I believe is causing, is causing yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. And then I would just chime in and say, from a dollar and cents standpoint, like mm -hmm. you've spent all this time, you know, an undergrad getting this degree, potentially got mm -hmm. loans to pay off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on where you're at in your season of life, do you got a family? Do you not? Do you have children? Do you not? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not the most lucrative mm -hmm. start. Yeah. You know, if you kind of stick with it and then you're where we're at, it mm -hmm. is paying off. 
Right. But those initial years, it's like, ooh, you just threw me <laughs> along for the profession. So I think yeah. a lot of people don't, you know, if I go to school, I get a degree and I graduate, if I'm an engineer, if I'm an accountant, if I'm one of these other more lucrative professions, it, it seems more worthwhile to invest mm -hmm. four years of my time, energy, and effort. So I think that's a big drawback. And then if you take it a step further in our community, you know, in my district, I'm helping spearhead the, the recruitment and retention and hiring of diverse staff. Mm -hmm. And when we go to school, it's called, you better get something that pays bills. If you're right. coming out and you're still struggling, <laughs> like, why did you go? <laughs> right. So many of us, you know, we're going for engineering, we're going in the medical profession, accounting, like are we in a business. Mm -hmm. We we're thinking six figures, we're thinking mm -hmm. down the road, I'm gonna make this work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk about a black man in education, they're like, no, nah, yeah, it's not yeah. paying off soon enough for me. Right, and I, I guess that's that, that makes sense too, Darnell, because the number of black teachers in comparison to like even in black communities, there aren't even a lot of black teachers teaching black kids. So no. again, that lower that number is even lower when it comes to black male teachers. So that's why I'm like, you know, it's 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 kind of sad because you know I think sometimes our kids are not taught the way they should because it's just a lack of not understanding the community it's not because the teachers yep. are necessarily bad they just are not a part of the community they don't really know how to teach our kids so i mean it's good to hear that that's a big initiative for you like to kind of you know recruit you know more black yes. teachers i mean now now being that being said why you guys are working in like diverse settings do you feel like yep. you get drawbacks if you're trying to like on purpose hire more, you know, black teachers, maybe more Latina teachers, like, do you feel like, you know, you get any pushback or, you know, just from trying to do that or? Right. Well, Chicago actually has an initiative right now where they're trying to diversify staff across the city. And our school for the last several years now, we've really been focusing on equity and not just um, equity amongst with, when it comes to hiring, also equity in how we work with students, how we ask staff to work with students, how they consider their situations. And so even though a lot of them don't come from the same communities as our students, um, we as our students of color, should I say, yeah. we, we provide the narrative for those students based on what the students share with us. So we do mm -hmm. things like focus groups and we share what the students actually say about what they want for a meaningful experience or how certain things make them feel. And we actually share that with staff because even though they might not come from those same cultural backgrounds or the same socioeconomic status as some of our students, they still need yep. to hear about their experience right. and empathize with that, even Absolutely. though they have a part of it. And so I think that the more that you expose staff to the experiences of students, whether or not that's the immediate conversations in class, the types of literature that you're reading, the mm -hmm. articles that you're presenting, and the more that you do that in a positive light, I think it opens a door, makes staff feel more comfortable, even if they are not of the same skin complexion. And, and right. it also helps students to feel like they have a place, even in a diverse environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for sure. I would add to that. Um, you know, I always, in the hiring process, you know, we're always saying in, in, in my building in particular is in my district, 
you know, of course, the most highly qualified, all things being equal. If mm -hmm. I have two candidates and all things being equal and I have an opportunity to present a more better representation of our student body, mm -hmm. then I'm going to do it. You know, and when mm -hmm. I was telling our assistant superintendent, and I always use this illustration. So if I have two cakes, right, they're both made and I'm just putting icing on the cake, you know. If I can put some chocolate icing on that cake, <laughs> they both cake, they both cake and give me the icing. I'm I'm going for that. I'm going mm -hmm. to the top. You know, I can't bypass. Do you have the degree? Do you have the qualifications? Sure. Do you have the experience? We can't cut corners for diversity, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I can't be intentional in what I'm looking for yeah. if all things are being equal. So that's right. why I tell people: nobody wants to eat a can full of icing. Right. I want the cake, but mm -hmm. if I can yeah. put the icing I want on that cake, then, then I'm doing that. So, For yeah. Sure. yeah. The other thing, too, Darnell, is the pool of applicants who actually apply. Yeah. And so a lot of times that's, that's scarce. And, mm -hmm. I mean, at the same time, you do, like, when, when we're interviewing, like, I'm, I'm going to choose the best candidate for the job. That's sure. That's I realize that these people have to be in front of students. That's there's no question about that. And I need students to get what they need. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times you can go through 100 resumes and do yeah. 60 interviews and you might not even have a candidate who comes from a cultural background other than the dominant culture within your school building. Mm -hmm. we, yeah. school, the north side or far or yeah. western suburbs, you know, so that's I, and I think that sometimes it's because people feel that they might not get a chance. And so then they don't apply mm -hmm. or when they do apply, they really can't speak to the culture of that actual school. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes that's very, there's a learning curve that's there and someone else might be able to speak to it a little bit better. Yeah. And so yeah. I believe that that also just the, the initial pull sometimes yeah. is a struggle. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that too, because I hear that. I, I hear, I hear that also. That you know, it's just yeah. sometimes people are just not applying. You know that, that right. so you mm -hmm. can't even diversify because there's nobody to really pull from, like you said. Yeah. If I could also interject, I know a couple of years ago I, I presented this presentation on why Plainfield. You know, we out here in the western suburbs. It's only two percent of educators are black males across the country. Period. Mm -hmm. So now the question is, why would I want to come to playing field? If I can go anywhere, right? if I'm a black man, I'm highly qualified, I can go anywhere I want because everyone's trying to diversify. Mm -hmm. So now the question is, why would I come to playing field if I can go to Naperville, if I can go to Aurora, if I can go to Joliet? Why would I come to your district? So mm -hmm. it's time out for you would be lucky to get hired here. No. Mm -hmm. If I'm a minority, I'm in demand. So now the mm -hmm. question is, what, not so much incentives, but mm -hmm. what kind of environment, what kind of professional development, how are you going to help me progress in my career mm -hmm. if I come to your district or your right. school? So I think that's the, a lot of districts have to pivot in their thinking mm -hmm. because the selection pool is so limited and you actually, you actually get somebody and you hire them, are you retaining them? So that's another piece mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't talk about. I might have you for two, three years, and then you out the back door because yeah. you didn't do right by me. 
you didn't create an environment where you felt welcome and supported. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Darnell, I got a question for you. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a basketball coach, so I'm familiar with uh, high schools and especially playing field. So, okay. by you being um, black man at Plainfield North, do you think there, since the times we live in now with George Floyd and all that, yeah. you know, the the, the um, Black Lives Matter, yeah. you know, everything that's been going on, do you think now schools like where you're at, do you think now parents are now asking, okay, what do you have to offer for my young black child in terms of not only just diversity, but like if my son is going through something, he needs to be yeah. able to talk to somebody that looks like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you feel like schools are now having to gear their recruitment towards stuff like that? Um, I think parents are definitely noticing the lack of diversity probably more than they did 10 years ago because, okay. like you said, with all the social-emotional learning and social-emotional piece to, okay, academics aside, you can be a 5.0 student, but if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel like you have people who look like you and have your best interests in mind, it's still going to be a different, a difficult progress process for you. So to answer your question, I think, so for example, we had our eighth grade step up night not too long ago. Mm -hmm. So soon to be incoming ninth graders. So mm -hmm. these parents coming up to the building and it's, it's like clockwork every year. They've seen my picture. They've heard about me. But when the parents walk through, the, and these are the parents and they're like, yeah. Weather's beat because it's just something about knowing. Right. I don't even have. It's an unspoken connection. Yeah. It's yeah. an unspoken. Who mm -hmm. my baby ain't had nobody in eight years. Mm -hmm. But when they get to Plainfield North, I don't even got to worry about. It. Yeah. I know you're gonna look out for my child. Mm -hmm. You're gonna hold my child accountable, but you're gonna look out for my baby in a way that I don't even have to request. Mm -hmm. because you get it right and i think that's the power that a lot of districts don't understand that comes with the package of diversifying their staff it's it's the unspoken that we get it's mm -hmm. the i already know what your mom and daddy done told you mm -hmm. look you know <laughs> quantify that but that's what we bring so i think to answer your mm -hmm. question districts are learning some of them are being forced to. Some of them, you know, state mandates are saying, hey, what steps do you have in place? Yeah. Um, some districts take it seriously. Some still don't because they're still succeeding. And I think that's the thing that's sometimes unnerving. Districts are still experiencing success academically, so they don't think it's an issue. It's an add-on to them as opposed to a necessity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes that 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 makes sense. Makes so I'm 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 gonna I'm I'm ask a, a silly question. It's not silly, but oh, oh, <laughs> it's not no, silly, oh. but <laughs> but it's serious though. I I hear people say, you know, in I mean, as educators, because you guys see them every day. Do you really think people are saying like kids are dumber? Honestly, like even with all this technology, seriously, they say these kids are dumb. Like you know, like because the, I guess because of it's so different from how we how we mm -hmm. were taught and people don't you know they i guess a kid see 
uh, maybe less interested in school because they got the devices and all mm -hmm. of that. I mean, I don't, I can't say the kids are dumb. I don't think they're dumber. I just think that, you know, maybe their interests are not the same as they were when, you know, we were kids, but in this, like, I mean, how that, that process of trying to keep kids interested in school, like, do you guys struggle with that? Especially when COVID happened, like how, how was that for y'all as far as teaching and even with the yeah. teachers and stuff, how was, I mean, the, how did that go? Like, how was that process? I know it was difficult, but you know, yeah. how did y'all recover? I should say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, kids are not dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry about saying that. They, in my opinion, they have so much more information at their fingertips mm -hmm. and they can access it easier. They, their learning process and their access is much different than what we had. Like I still remember looking through encyclopedias mm -hmm. and if I didn't yeah. looking it up in the dictionary, going to get the dictionary off the shelf and searching it, they don't have to do that. They just ask Siri, mm -hmm. you know? And what's happened is they have shifted to a different learning model, a different learning method. But most of our schools have not. Mm. Yeah. And okay. so since they have access to all of this information, I think the problem is that we know they have access to this information easily, but we haven't asked them to think critically about the information that they have yeah. access to. And that's the shift that we have to do. So they don't have to go, they don't have to go through the process of writing all the definitions down to all of these words. No, mm -hmm. they can get that easily. But mm -hmm. how do they actually utilize those words when they are communicating with others? And mm -hmm. how do we think that, how do we teach them to be to how do we give them inquiry-based experiences that allow them to discover, you know, things about the knowledge that they have because they have yeah. the access. Right. But they aren't be they they have to be shown how to utilize that to find information that's not readily accessible, stuff that's not easily found in a book, but stuff that you have to think and have and that require human interaction sometimes. Like mm -hmm. the interaction we're having right now. Yeah. You know, you're asking us these questions. There is no script. You're asking us right. what we think we have we have to process our own environments, what we know about the world, what's the right thing to say, what's the wrong thing to say. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're in front of computers and they don't have to do that. Yeah. But yeah. putting them in these kinds of situations to think critically and to have human interaction, mm -hmm. yeah. that changes. But that's that's what I think it is. We haven't we haven't caught up to them. Yeah, yeah. It's an information overload. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I still work with kids. I wouldn't say that they're dumb. I like I think they just like you said, they haven't the the yeah. process of, of teaching them, you know, yeah. how to, you know, compartmentalize that stuff. Like, okay, this is a lot of information and you're a developing mind. It's too much. So, you know, yeah. I think as you said, as the education system catches up with them and technology, they they won't, it, it'll be better, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And then about the pandemic, like that was a struggle in the sense of so for 18 months, you know, so to speak, they were confined to a very in their house. Every family was impacted differently. Mm -hmm. And now them coming back, let's just say this year alone, um, those social skills. Yeah. Like you can have a hundred kids in the cafeteria and they like this, just tunnel vision, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. That's their safe space. They put put on that hood. Yeah. They got that phone, and they they don't care about nobody and nothing. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you put the mask on, so now, you know, I joke with kids if I see them in the outside of school, and it's like, so that's how your whole face look, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. you your whole face, and 
two years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where mm-hmm. does that come from? You know, right. like, like, <laughs> you uh, a I man think, now. Right. right, right. <laughs> so I think that's the part we it'll be, you know, five, ten years from now, we're still gonna be learning of the impact this pandemic had mm-hmm. and, and has is having on our kids because and, and in adults, you know, yeah. we're still like, okay, I remember last year, okay, it's time to come back to the building. We're gonna do half days, not full days. Right. You know, and then we came back this year and the teachers are like, oh, that's what a full day in person feels like. You know, like mm-hmm. the learning curve was huge for everybody as far yeah. as getting back to that building and doing the whole day every day, full mm-hmm. classes every day. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, we're still unpacking the impact and we're still deciphering how next fall looks. We're having meetings now saying, okay, we're going to have to continue to layer on some of these, you know, code of conduct and expectations. And, you know, we've kind of coddled you. We've mm-hmm. kind of given you the slow version of what normal looks like. If there's everything as such thing as a back to normal, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, but okay. I think it's definitely a process that it's hard to speed up. As adults, yeah. we want to speed it up and get it together and let's go. But these kids, I mean, they're dealing with some stuff that we'll be talking about in textbooks for a while mm-hmm. now, I think. Now, I, I ask you this. Have you found that, because basically the kids were out of school as far as in person for like almost two years. Do you think, I mean, I know we used to have like, what was it like, uh, Iowa test and like those standardized tests each year. Do they did they still have to take those? And like if they did, like I would think that would kind of be unfair because you didn't get the full teaching experience. So are they are those tests still you know happening? And like how how did that process go? Or or because I know like that that was some that was some concern too that they felt like you know with that kids are struggling you know because they some kids need that that teacher to be on the side of them to, to help them, you know, to understand yeah. stuff. So with that, with, with them being out of school and then with those tests being mandated, like, were there any provisions made because of COVID or is it just, you know, you failed and you didn't held back? Well, like they say, you yeah. back in the day, you, you flunked. You're a demo. You're a demo. Yeah. So they don't, they, no, they, you know, when the pandemic first happened, they did not allow those tests at all in our district. And actually okay. in most school districts, they were not uh, utilized to prevent students from progressing at That's all. Good. That's good. Um, yep. But last year, because most schools were went to remote, they were remote or hybrid in some kind of way. By the time we got to the spring, they still had tests, but those tests still were not used to hold students back. As a matter of fact, when the pandemic first started, most school districts had hold harmless grades. So they would say things like a student's grade can't go down or go below where they were when the pandemic started. Or they would allow for no, no, uh, they wouldn't get a grade and it would not count in their GPA, but they also couldn't earn credit for the course if they didn't do what they needed to do. So it was a way to keep the students from having an F on their transcript in high school. But at the same time, the eighth graders, they were allowed to uh, matriculate into into high school in CPS. And I think a lot of schools mimicked that. that. I don't know if Plainfield North, I I don't know what they had, Darnell. No, very similar. I mean, you talk about ACT, SAT, a lot Mm -hmm. of the colleges were like, take it if you want, but we're, we're not using that in our, you know, 
process to determine if you qualify or not for college at this choice. So okay. they really paid on GPA more than other things in previous years. So I think everybody attempted to pivot and make the appropriate adjustments so that kids weren't penalized. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know this year, you know, even as we had summatives last month for our teachers, evaluations, the big talk was, how have you navigated the learning gaps? Okay. And teacher after teacher after teacher was like, it's been difficult because mm-hmm. there was no test to kind of give you a heads up of, okay, I'm going into this new unit. Where are the gaps at? You're literally learning right. it as you're teaching today's lesson. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh you didn't get that last year. Yeah. Oh, like, so you're really pivoting in real time trying to triage and give those kids what they need in the moment because there was no way of deciphering beforehand mm-hmm. where they were lacking. So I think teachers really felt that this year saying, hey, I adjusted to the best of my ability given the content before me, but it was hard to predict where the gaps were. Right? Okay. And if I could be if I could be totally honest, yeah. I don't I understand the value of SAT, PSAT, ACT. As a matter of fact, most of my students took it even though it was not mandated. Mm -hmm. They took it. They submitted their scores. But I believe that the real way to find gaps in the first place are based on the learning that happens in the classroom, not from the standardized assessment. You know, so Mm -hmm. giving the teachers the chance to say, hey, this is where they should be, but this is where they are. Mm -hmm. And teachers being encouraged to actually do some level setting and finding out where their students are so that they can make adjustments to give the students what they need. That's the differentiated approach. But that also comes through uh, feedback and conversations. But Mm -hmm. I, I think that it happens best when it's actually in the classroom and not necessarily right. through a standardized test when you have all of these other factors that go into yeah. that testing. Mm-hmm. Anxiety about testing. Absolutely. You know, uh, do mm-hmm. I really know all of this material? Can I mm-hmm. guess it right? Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. I've been sitting here for three hours. You know, yeah. There's so many factors <laughs> that go into that. So. For sure. For sure. I, and I tell people that all the time, like one thing about Wayne, by that being a college preparatory school, I felt like I can, I'm a professional test taker. I'm a horrible student, but I know how to take tests because most of yeah. my teachers, they kind of, they, they prepared us because, I mean, it's, it's, it's a college prep school. So we learned how to take, you know, how to pass tests. You know what I'm saying? You got the information too, but like you said, I think the, that approach about what the class, about how the student performing in class, I, I definitely think that this, that, that should supersede those tests. Because I could pass the test, but I can I probably was like a straight C student, you know, but I could get a good grade on my test. So, you know, it's it's, it's a it's a catch twenty two. But um, but just switching gears before we kind of uh, close out with you guys, I want to talk about like the work life balance. So, what do you guys do? Because I know like it's hard when you have so many students. Those are like the little kids. So, how do you turn it off when you get home? And then what do you do to kind of like unwind? Yeah, um, I'll start for me. Um, and this has just kind of been my pet peeve. If I'm not in the gym two to three days a week, mm. I'm looking crazy because I, I need that <laughs> my earbuds, mm-hmm. look crazy, right? do what I need to do. So I'll, I'll come home, change clothes, hit the gym, and then I'll come home and take off my principal hat, put on my, gotcha. my, my husband hat, my daddy mm. hat, 
know, mm-hmm. I need that moment mm-hmm. to pivot. Yeah. Because, the, you know, the stress of the day, you don't never necessarily leave it. You just got to pivot. So I call okay. it changing hands. I got to change okay. hands. Because, yeah. you know, my wife joked and said, hey, we ain't your students. You know, <laughs> you ain't going to be looking crazy at us like that. You know? so, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing. And then, um, you know, just understanding, like, I'm a better educator because I put an emphasis on being a good husband and a good father. Like mm-hmm. that impacts how I view my students at school because it's like, I want somebody to treat my children that way. Yeah. So therefore, you know, when I'm talking with parents, I'm able to empathize and say, hey, I get it. I yeah. got two of them. Yeah. And I want someone to treat my son and my daughter with the same respect I'm trying to treat your child with. So mm-hmm. I think that balance helps tremendously. But um, at the end of the day, if somebody's going to lose out, I can't let the three people in this house lose out. So, right. For right. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Um, and I, I will be totally honest. I do a great job of finding balance with my bonus daughters, my um, son, my husband. But I do a terrible job at finding the balance for me. Mm, so yeah. I know how to yeah. turn off when it's like when my son gets in the car, if I'm picking him up or taking him, it's his time. Mm-hmm. Or when we get here and we're working on homework, that's his time. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we go out on a date, like that's that's my husband's time. Mm-hmm. I am not good at like what Darnell, Darnell said, coming in the house, changing, going, doing something just for me. I mm-hmm. have not mastered that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to master that though. Yeah, you gotta but do I it, Elena. I haven't. I haven't yet. And yeah. I, but I so I, so my balance has been still giving of time, not for myself, but to the people who do matter, very much so uh, for me. But I do believe that it's important to have it. Like I applaud you, Darnell, for being able to come in the house, putting on those AirPods, and leave it back out. Like yeah. <laughs> kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I strive I strive for that. And I've been talking a lot about that lately, about putting on your own mask first before mm-hmm. you can put on the masks of, for other people. Yeah. And I yeah. speak it. I encourage my APs to do it. Right. And sometimes I do not follow my own advice. I'm a buggy on that now. Elena. Make sure you taking off and putting your putting your your mask on now. <laughs> yeah, and see, I'm la- like last week I went to a conference and typically I wouldn't have been able to do that, but I went to a conference. It was for work, but then there was times in the evening and if I wanted to go to bed at 7.30, I could because mm-hmm. I had no evening responsibility. Yeah. But I... And so that technically is something for me because that gave me an opportunity to sit and get. Yeah. But doing that on a consistent basis, no, yeah. that does not happen. And it's not it's not good. I want to be clear about that. It yeah. is a terrible habit. <laughs> terrible habit. Yeah. That, I, yeah. that I'm working towards fixing. Okay. So, yeah. uh, we're gonna hold you to it. We're gonna hold you to I, it. I believe it. And Darnell, too. I, I know that you you are author. So talk about that a little bit. Like yes. you know, you you are uh-huh. author and you have like a, yeah. a program. Tell us about that because we, we we it's uh it's definitely dope. That I think folks uh, hear about. You. So you know it so 2013, my wife and I started with our company called Lead One. Um and the thing is for years, you know, I would speak. I'm a licensed minister, so you know I speak at different places, conferences, workshops, on behalf of someone else, you know, and I'm 
promoting this, you know, this conference or this church, this ministry. And then we were like, hey, I'm doing all we're doing all this stuff for other people. Why not bet on ourselves and help build up leaders? You know, mm -hmm. so lead one is all based upon the idea that, you know, a lot of times society will tell you you're a leader once you get the degree. Right. Once mm -hmm. you get the title. But they don't understand you've already had the influence all along. Mm -hmm. So what we're telling people is you already have a sphere of influence. Everybody on this screen touches people uniquely. Right. So the question is, if I can give you and empower you and equip you with the skill set necessary to maximize your sphere of influence, then you can be all God has called you to be in your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. So that's the general message we're communicating. Now it might be unique for men if I'm speaking at a men's conference or you know, my heartbeat is for fathers, you know, mm -hmm. single parent product, West side of Chicago, you know, second oldest of eight kids. It wasn't in the, in the cards for me to be doing what I am today. Mm -hmm. So now if I can travel the country sharing my story of how it's possible to break generational curses and be what you didn't have, mm -hmm. you know, particularly a loving husband and a loving father, that's not what I saw every day. Mm -hmm. That's what I use as motivation to become who I am. So mm -hmm. my book, Journey to Fatherhood, was literally a nine-month autobiography because when I found out we were expecting, I was like, okay, I have no image in my head of what I'm yeah. trying to do. Okay. So nine months, I just journaled every day because I was just trying to stay sane. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to prepare for this baby, but I have no reference point. So all mm -hmm. my fears... All my prayers, all my insecurities, I just wrote it down. And it was meant to be just a gift to my child, my daughter, when she graduated from college or got married. And the Lord was like, there are millions of young men, regardless of, of ethnicity, regardless of social and economic status, mm -hmm. who have your same experience without a father, without an example. And they want to break that curse too. So mm -hmm. I published a book. Because I want to encourage other men to journal every day, other men to be vulnerable and transparent with their emotions, particularly in that season of life. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we started in 2013, I published in 2013, and now they're, the cool thing about it is I have men all across the country who say, hey, I journaled for my nine months, mm -hmm. and now I have a document to give my children. That's what's up. They'll give to their children of how I proactively and intentionally prepared for our child our child's arrival. Because that's that story, that narrative definitely isn't told enough in our community. Mm -hmm. You know, so just trying to equip men to be better than what we experience. So mm -hmm. um, you know, for those of you watching, you know, the lead one movement.com, you know, we have our apparel line, we have my book, we have other resources. Um once again, just trying to encourage all people because we all got curses. We all got things we're trying to do better than the previous generation. If and I can equip someone with a hoodie, if I can equip someone with a book, if I can equip someone to go to our YouTube channel, Lead One Movement, and be inspired by that, then so be it. Yeah. So yeah, be it. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's what's good. up. I need to read that. Yeah, all you right. do. I need that book. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I, wish I had a... I wish I had a manuscript when I was Man. <laughs> when my wife was first expecting. Yeah. 
Well, before we let you guys go, I'm going to ask you guys a few just little fun fact questions, okay? Okay. Uh, Now, before this first question I got, (laughs) I got to know first if I'm going to ask it or not. Do you guys watch Abbott Elementary? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. Okay. So... (laughs) So y'all know the principal. That's Ava. Oh Lord. Okay, Ava. okay, so what's your what's your what is your uh principal style? Are you are you more Ava or are you more Joe Clark? <laughs> <laughs> Which one? I'm Joe. I'm gonna go yeah, I'm gonna go Joe Clark from a I'm gonna go Joe Clark. I'm okay. Because yeah. <laughs> Ava don't do nothing. She, she <laughs> no. If y'all don't watch Abby Elementary, y'all gotta y'all gotta tune in. Yeah. Absolutely. She don't do she do right. No, she don't. She don't. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is a very important question. Very important question. It's to tell a lot about you guys. Do you put sugar? Do you believe in sugar and grits or just salt and butter? Sugar. Sugar at one thousand percent. You too, Daniel. See, see, I don't think it's. I don't think it's no wrong answer. It is. Sugar is wrong. Telling you, sugar is wrong. Y'all are wrong. (laughs) Disclaimer. I ate too many grits growing up, so I struggle (laughs) eating it right now. I ain't gonna lie. I told myself, hey, if I got a choice, yeah. I'm oh. telling you, grits and oatmeal. I'm I, I ate too much of it. Yeah. See, much, okay, so bro, you 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 so you you put sugar in your grits too. When I used to eat grits, I'm like him. I don't eat it anymore because that's all I ate growing up. I <laughs> eat grits, but, but my mom would put sugar in there. Okay. I'm disappointed, you guys. I really. Am. The only time I don't put sugar in it is when I'm eating shrimp and grits. Okay. And okay. then I put like. Gouda cheese and things yeah. of that nature. Oh, you got fancy. Oh, we oh, got yeah. fancy. Right, 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 right. Gouda right. cheese. I'm put a slice of milk cheese that, on there. And that's that's that brunch. That's that brunch right there. That's what uh-huh. that is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, two more questions. Okay. Are y'all Cubs or Sox fans? White socks all day. I'm in. I'm gonna get in trouble, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. My house, my husband is a White Sox fan. My school is a Cubs. School. Exactly, Darnell, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You're a smart man. White socks all day. Now I will say, when the Cubs were good for that brief moment, uh-huh. yeah, I was all things Chicago. Okay. okay, but if I gotta choose, it's White Sox all day. But if and if I'm choosing, it's probably Cubs. They have been very yeah. good to us. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. That's I right, Elwida. Don't, don't bite the hand. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. <laughs> okay, actually, I got two more questions. This, this is this is a stupid one that Ricky Smiley wrote this morning. Okay, of course. Would you rather Would you rather have ghosts or roaches in your house? Which one? Wait, would I rather have what? Would you rather have ghosts or roaches? Yes. Now, wait a minute. That's an important question. Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to keep it a buck. I, mm-hmm. I have previous experiences with the latter. So, at least I know what I'm dealing with. We're going to keep it yeah. I know what I'm dealing with the latter. Uh huh. No, can I see the ghost? 
Maybe. Good maybe. Question. Good question. <laughs> if I if I can see the ghost, then I then I, I don't mind putting a little bit of the holy ghost on them. That's right. right. <laughs> so I'll take the ghost. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the ghost. Okay. Okay. Now my last question. Now this is just right. uh more so if if you weren't teaching, let's say you weren't teaching, <laughs> what what would you be doing? What do you think you'd be doing right now? Wow. If I could teach gospel music, okay, to I can high see that students <laughs> in a quiet setting. Yeah, that would be what I would do. I okay, would, yeah, that's what I would wake up and do every day. Oh, um, than being a pastor's wife, which is what I already do too, but mm -hmm. right. full time, full time. Yeah, if I could speak full time, you know, okay. travel the country as an itinerant speaker. Um, I got to be in front of people. That's just the way I'm wired. Mm -hmm. So, like, don't stick me in a cubicle. I'll lose my mind. Like, yeah. I got to be in front of people. <laughs> yeah. Whatever allows me to be on a stage or in the people, then I, I'm good. Like, I'll do that for free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, I definitely, definitely, I super, super appreciate y'all. I am so proud to have known you guys. Uh, uh, we go way back, and I'm just excited to see what you guys have next for your next chapter of teaching or whatever, it's speaking or whatever that may be. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to be supporting. And um, again, like, I really, really appreciate y'all um, for, for joining my little podcast today. Me and my bro, we definitely, we, 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 we are definitely thankful. So. Yeah. Thank you all for having us. Absolutely. And we're proud of you too. Latisa, I gotta bring my smart Gordon Tech friends on here now. Yeah, he went to Gordon oh, Tech, no, y'all. No. <laughs> now you started stuff. Now <laughs> we don't go anymore. over the bridge. We don't go at, over the bridge. Gordon Tech doesn't even exist anymore. At right. Lina, she raised the bar. I gotta bring my Gordon my smart <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Cool. You gotta you gotta come high. You gotta come high now, bro. It won't matter. That's right. Well, we thank y'all. We thank y'all. And I'll, I'll be sure to post y'all info uh, once I uh, post the episode. So thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. right. Thank Have a good night. Yeah, you night. too. Good one. Peace. It's a good combo, good. bro. Huh? That was a good combo, bro. That was good. That was good. Got my, my, LT, my, my LT folks in the building. Listen, listen, let me, let me, let me, I, I'll just say this. You, obviously, you graduated from Lane Tech. For sure. But I know a lot of people from Lane Tech. That's crazy. Well, your school was right down the street, so. And not only that, that, and then the people who, you know, we from the West Side, so it was a lot of people mm -hmm. that we grew up with that was actually smart in school. They mm -hmm. went to Lane Tech. Yeah. Was it's, yeah. it's crazy. I always think about that. You know what's it's, funny? It's when so I... When I went to Lane, bro, my first year, because I struggled so hard for being a lazy student, yeah. I had, you know, like you said, we, even though that was quote unquote the smart school back in the day, we all get on the same bus going home. So if you're getting on a Western bus and I get off at Madison, I go off at Jackson, I still got to stop through the hood to go home, you know, because yeah. I live on Hamlet. So yeah. The the crazy thing people used to back in the day they used to always beg Lane Tech you know what I'm saying and they'd be like yeah. oh you 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 know that was like the big thing everybody used to say Lane Tech and so I used to 
because that first year was so horrible, I was like, I told my mom, I was like, I don't want to go to Lane no more. Like, <laughs> first of all, I'm struggling in school. And then two, like, you get tired of being on the bus and everybody's saying lame tech. I'm like, you know what? Lame tech. I want to go, I want to go to Westinghouse. And she's like, what? Westinghouse? Like, I know. It was, oh. close. it was close to the house. And I felt like I knew a few people already at Westinghouse. So I was like, I'd rather just go there. Then she was like, Latisse, you're just being lazy. You've been a lazy student, and she was like, you know, it's it's an opportunity for you to go to a really good school. She was like, if you're really struggling and you really, you know, because I felt like, you know, if I go to Westinghouse, they'll stop calling me lame. But turned out, at, by the end of the year, I actually, I started, I started getting friends by that time. So it was just like, you know what, I love, God, I love it here. Your mom, I love it. Yeah, well, Thank and it's God. funny because my mama, she she's a Westinghouse alum, so I know. Thank yeah. God. She <laughs> Hey, hey, God gave her wisdom in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, she was right. She didn't. She yeah. didn't let me. Uh, she didn't let me. Uh, let me quit. So okay. Yeah. That's good. I'm gonna, thank God. Yeah, yeah. So hey. we can knock out a couple things before we before we close out for the folks, bro. You know what? And we before we close it out, I I forgot to ask you: Did you ever figure out how to connect the live stream? I did. You did. Okay. Yep. Good. Yes. So right. next week we 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 live. So next week, everybody, we got this nice show we put together. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna be live on Facebook through the live stream. Mm -hmm. So um, you guys it's gonna be on Facebook and YouTube. So you, you guys, guys will be able both. to interact. Yeah. You guys yeah. will be able to ask questions, um, all that. So make sure you follow the Instagram page, some of this, some of that pod, and make sure you follow the Facebook page too. Because what we're gonna do, we're gonna let everyone know when to jump on, what time we're gonna go live, and it's going to be a really good show next week. It's going to be entertaining. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Y'all see how well-rounded we are. We we can be classy like we was today, and we're going to be yeah. ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> some of this, some of that. That means you don't know what you're hey, going to get. <laughs> next week will be the definition of ratchet. It's not, I'm going to bring the, the class, too. I'll make sure that these, these young men don't get, you know, carried away. But y'all wish me luck. If they got any beverages, it might get carried away. <sighs> Lord, I had to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure I will the me and y'all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. How was your week though, bro? Uh, it was. It was kind of busy. It was kind of busy this week. Yeah. Um, got stuff to do at home and um, speaking of busy week. First of all, my daughter got accepted to her high school of choice. I saw that. Go court. Congrats. That, that's number one. Number two, she got her final scholarship uh, information. So basically, Courtney going to be going to school in high school for almost, I want to say free, mm -hmm. but me and her mama ain't got to pay a lot out of our pocket. That's, so. that's what's up, bro. That's so, what's up. I know you're happy, happy about, about that. that. Happy about that. <laughs> I know you're happy about that. Yeah. And she your, was your, excited. Your pocket's happy. She was excited. She got like this little goal list, so she checked those two off. So you, her last goal uh, of eighth grade year, she wants to be the valedictorian. Nice. So that's her last goal. And I never wanted to do that. That's, no? that's no. I mean, that's that's a that's a good thing to aspire to be. I mean, like I would have. I knew I was never a good enough student, but mm -hmm. I was. You know, it's good that she's that. You know, has that kind of ambition. You know, what I'm saying like that. I'm not just not gonna be a good student. I want to be the top student. Like that's right. that's that's what's up. Her goal is to be that and. She said, that's off her checklist for this year. She said, well, she can do that. 
Yeah, Court gonna be leaving us in the dust. She gonna she gonna sure be is. little Kamala by the time we before we look up. I'm all for it. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah. I'm all for it. Let's, let's get up. it. Let's I love to it. see it. I love to see it. Let's get it. <laughs> I love to see it, yo. <laughs> hey, um, I know you want to be. I know before we get off, you got. I know you want to talk about the Ryan um, Kugel thing. Um, I. I want to hear your thoughts because I think I got a different take from everybody, but I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Well, I mean, if anybody, unless you live on the rock, you've probably seen in the news about Ryan Cooler being detained uh, while he was in the, you know, the bank, uh, you yeah. know, getting withdrawing money. And so I just, I didn't even, I just wanted to, I just wanted to hear your thoughts of it as, as a black male, um, you know, because, I don't actually think it was a racist thing, so to speak. I think it was more after I've, I've heard like all the, the the recordings. I've seen the recordings and uh, seen the video, and I've heard the recordings of her call to nine one one. I just think the young lady was a little. I don't want to call her dumb. Um, <laughs> she's just she didn't she wasn't thinking, and, and, and I understand just. Um, you know, if you're not used to seeing notes, which people that are tellers, they that from that I know that somebody writes them on the paper is not un, un you know unheard of. People do that all the time. You know, they'll come in there and say, "I need, you know, you know, two thousand dollars, and I want." They'll write down, "I need ten, you know, hundreds. I need, you know, five fifties or whatever." They'll write that stuff down on paper all the time. So I think, I, you know, I think she 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 didn't even. All the, 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 the safety precautions before we get to calling the police, you 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 need to have as a teller. I feel like you should have done your job and verified information. She she said on 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 the on a recording that she she didn't even look at his ID. She also saw was California, but she didn't even look at the name to verify that it was the same thing on his slip or it's the same thing that came up. I just felt like just a little bit more investigating. Could avoid all this because even the dispatcher was like, "So you didn't verify anything." She she was talking to her in the sense of like, "Why are you calling us? Like you if you didn't done. if you didn't verify anything, why are you calling us? Is he does he have a weapon? No. So it's like I don't understand how you what startled you. Like you know what I'm saying? I can see if he had a piece of paper that said, "Be open your um open this <laughs> empty your drawer and give me all the money out." Like. That's what robbers do. Like, that's not what happened. I'm like, and like I said, I don't think it was a race thing, but it could be. I just think it was more of a just a, you know, that young lady, she she didn't comprehend well. And maybe, honestly, bro, I think she, maybe she didn't know what discreet mean, you know, like, because he's telling you, I don't want to, you're, you're studying saying, you're asking me questions and I'm telling you right here, I don't want to announce him taking out that kind of money. You know what I'm saying? People are like, well, he should have asked for a, a banker. If you know Ryan Kugler, if you follow his career, you know he's like a homeboy. He's a regular dude. And I think he moves like a regular dude. And maybe he just got to, you know, maybe he just got to realize he ain't regular no more. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that, like he said in the video, that's probably something that he'll look forward to do now is maybe I'll just call a bank. But he just said he had been doing it for so long. That way he never had no problems. So, and I'm like, this is Atlanta. You know, that's like one of the black, blackest city for rich, well-off black people. So I can't imagine that this is her first time seeing a black person come in and ask for money. You know what I'm saying? This is Atlanta. All the rappers, all the black celebrities live there. So I'm sure 
that that's not her first time experiencing a black person with, you know, wanting to withdraw some kind of money. If it's a situation where he needed to have another, you know, if he needed to request a banker or whatever, just tell him that. Like, mm -hmm. how do we get to the point that we just call him the police? Like, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was weird to me. I, you know what? I, uh, I think to tell her, I just think she freaked out because of his appearance. And I think that his appearance freaked her out. And I what, think what, what about his appearance? With the with the whole with the mask, the glasses, all that, the beard. I don't think she knew who she who he was. And she I probably think, didn't. And she, I, I, think, mean, I don't think she didn't know who he I was. I think I think when she read the little note, I think she just got understandably nervous and alarmed, and she probably lost all focus. But I don't blame her. You know who I blame? The manager. The boss. Her yeah, manager. me too. Because the manager is supposed to step in. Yeah. And say, wait a minute. If there's some inconsistency, he can step in or she is supposed to say, can I see your ID? Right. And right. before it gets to the point where yeah. he goes outside and the police is there. Yeah. I blame the manager more than, than the teller. Oh, I do too, bro. I think I the teller, too. I honestly think the teller had a slow moment, like slow. She, a real slow. She sounds very slow on the, on the I, I the do. I, I think yeah. she was slow. Yeah. But the manager is supposed to be the one that's supposed to intervene yeah. and be like, oh, okay, I, you do this all the time, sir, Ooh, whatever, whatever, whatever the protocol is, get him his money, apologize, he gone. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm thankful that he wasn't an ignorant Negro. I'm just going to say that. Mm -hmm. Because if he would have been ignorant and the police mm -hmm. rolled up, this modern I went the way it did. It yeah. might have been bad. You know, like, and, and it's it unfortunate. And it's, but you know what, bro? It's unfortunate because I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying by saying if he wouldn't be ignorant, but it's just like, how do black, how come black people are not allowed to be angry? No, I right. would have been pissed off if you're right. This man, I, I'm, I'm the man who made Black Panther, the, the, the highest grossing black movie ever, okay? And damn near for, until the affinity, until the, to the last, uh, Marvel one, it was number one Marvel movie. So I'm and I'm not even not, not even to even like be braggadocious like that, but it's just like how did I work my butt off? And then your first his first movie was about pro police, you know, not mm -hmm. brutality, but that situation at Fruitville Station, mm -hmm. you know, then to be encountered, you could see the the you you saw in his he he's, he was talking about how he was having a panic attack, you know, you can see the like. He couldn't believe it. And, and and I just think it's it's so bogus that black men, you know, it's not like even even the cop was like, uh keep, they kind of trying to make him say, but well, just just listen to him. He like, I am listening. Why aren't we allowed? He can be upset because I worked my butt off. I come here, and not only is it's a black teller that does this, and a black woman in the hallway talking about, oh, good job. And then I got black cops pulling, you know, guns on me. I will say it's a, the cops, they un, they pulled it from their host, but they put it right back in. I mean, that's probably protocol coming in there. Somebody say it's a bank robbery, but they didn't point it at him, you know, which, you know, that would have been a whole other story. Yeah. But the fact that, that he was still surrounded by them and they handcuffed, it, it's... He has the right to be upset. Or maybe the black cops, after he got there, realized, well, damn, that is him. Because, see, here's the thing. I don't like, think I, they didn't. Because when, when the one was reading his 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 um his, his ID, when he showed him, he said, just read my ID. He was like, he said, what's your name? Ryan 
he's like, he couldn't pronounce his last name, but he said, you can just, if you can just, you know, I'm, I'm here to make movies or whatever. He said, but you can just Google me if you don't know who I am. That's fine. You know, he was like, but, you know, I'm trying to make this easy on all of us. Just uncuff me. You know what I'm saying? And then they cuffed the people that, that was with him. I think he was like his nanny or something like that. Um, it's just, yeah, it was just bad, Yeah, people was outside bro. waiting on him in the car. And I think that's probably why he didn't want to go to the rigmarole and trying to get like a personal banker. Like, in his mind, he probably thinking, I do this all the time. I just need to get some money real quick, pay this lady so we can go and move around. But I don't need you to be at the, at the front desk saying... Hundred, hundred thousand. You know what I'm saying? Twelve. Here you go. Here your twelve thousand dollars. Like he don't want, especially you know what I'm saying. People, people, you don't know who else in that bank that's listening. You know what I'm saying? So I, I guarantee get it. you, I guarantee you, the next time Ryan wants some money, he go about it a different way. Yeah, I think he said that. He said that. He said you know he'll probably just. You know, if if it has to come to, but you know, requesting the banker, he can do that. But to me, that's still bringing attention too. If you come in there for requesting a, a banker and you go in there, like it's still, that's not really discreet. That's a big scene too. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But I think uh, he said that he'll consider that. But I think too, the reason why he make a big deal about it, I think, because it was a black girl. Yeah, he, he said, fine, I think yeah. I, I'm pretty sure because knowing how Ryan Coogler is with black people, he loves everything black, all things black, and he's not good with cold switching. If y'all watch his videos, you're gonna get the same Ryan, you know, that 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 he was when he was, you know, doing Fruitville Station too. But yeah. that's just that's how he is. He's a true LA dude. So he is. He you is. know, I just think that it's he's unfortunate. He's very smart. I I, I just hate. Cause to me, it's like out of all people, I'm like Ryan Cougar love black people, man. Like he's he wants to do everything black, and when he's making black movies, he's trying to hire black, you know, um, videographers, like black photographer. Like he wants it to be to show black people in the best light, and then it's kind of like, dang, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like you said, I do think the lady just had the little girl had a, a, a slow moment. She, did. she had a um, slow moment, and, and the manager didn't really. He, the manager is the goofy. The manager is the goofy. Because the manager could have easily been like, well, did you look at his ID? The same questions the dispatcher asked. The, the, same the manager should have said, well, did thing. you look at his ID? Did it, it, did it appear different? Did you, is, is his face different from the photo? Did you tell him to pull his yeah. mask down? I mean, did you, did he have, did he not have the money in his account? Like, what did the note say? Besides, he just told me, look at the note. Well, if you read the note, the note said money out of my account. Please, can you count it somewhere else? I, I just can't. I still can't fathom how she thought that was robbery. Like it just, it's the weirdest thing. I didn't even know. I didn't even know people do that. Put notes. I didn't know people do that. And maybe because I ain't rich, but I didn't know people do that. People usually put um, people people usually put how they want their bills on on paper. They usually See, do that. that people, people do that, and I only know that because, like, like, I, I know my sister, my sisters were were tellers, and I know other people that were tellers, and just even, um, and, and again, there is like for for certain banks, even in my industry, like working in HR, there are certain there are certain things that flag like a high account. So I'm sure if he's been with Bank of America for a long time, his account is not a regular checking. You know what it's I'm saying? Probably he not. he probably, probably has something. So I just felt like. I just don't know where she got how how it went from you know if you if you even if you felt uncomfortable like he gave me a note and I don't know what to do with it 
the manager that like I said, the manager is the dummy. The manager is the dumbest of them all because the manager should have been like, Oh, he gets one shoes to count the money discreetly. Like, don't count it at the counter, just count it, you know, somewhere right. else. And, and for somebody that rich, that wasn't a whole bunch of money that he's asking. I can see if he said, I want fifty thousand dollars in cash right now. That twelve thousand dollars, that's not uh, a, a, a crazy number, bro. You know what I'm saying? And clearly, he was getting ready to pay something big. You could yeah. tell. You know. Well, he said that. He said he had to pay. He basically had to pay his nanny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I figured that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it, well, he said she's a doctor. I guess he got a newborn. And so she was like, uh, or nurse or whatever it was, but he was like he was he was paying her for uh -huh. um the week. He was just saying how he not trying to announce that kind of money because I mean just truthfully he know where he at. <laughs> it, must be, it must be nice. He going to give. He going to pay somebody in cash. He said the lady prefer to be in cash, so oh, she probably okay. she probably try to be. She probably want to be under the table. You know, high key. <laughs> See, that's the motor. The old highfalutin ass Atlanta folks. <laughs> hey, I ain't mad at it. If I'm working and uh, you know somebody want to pay me on the table that much money, she don't want to pay taxes on that. I get. How it. you want to get paid? Cash. Cash. Hand it here. Hand it probably says probably an old lady, and I ain't mad. Probably, at it probably is an old lady. She probably wears slips. <laughs> She's stupid. <laughs> she do. She wears in in a house coat. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that was yeah, just crazy. That was, story, that was that was that was, that was that was something, man. That was a that was a hell of a story. You know, TMZ, you know, they gotta do their jokes, whatever. You know how TMZ do, but it's whatever. I'm I like I said, I'm glad he's safe. I'm glad nothing happened to him. Yeah. Um, um, it, it could have been worse. Could have been yeah. worse. It could have, you know. I, I um he didn't make a big deal out of it. He moved on, but I hope the young lady and I hope the bank teller learned from that because that to me, bro, it do do you think I ask this before we close out, do you think that if it was a white guy doing that, she would have reacted the same way? Honestly. In the words of my uncle, hell no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Because she just would assume, oh, he gets some money, twelve thousand dollars. He a white man. Mm -hmm. he must be rich. Yeah, but if I was gonna say, but it's stupid. I mean, Atlanta is like rich people capital, so I don't understand like how you didn't you you're familiar, but you know, I saw that she was young, so maybe she's just not cultured in the area of knowing like you know producers and stuff like that. Because if it was like Gucci, you know, she would know Gucci and and Lil Durk and all that. She, she didn't she know what probably the street was. She probably she worked. She probably worked in the city. She's pregnant. Did you see the video, bro? She's pregnant. Oh uh, well. I feel I, I I can I'm gonna send you the I'm gonna send you because you know TMZ and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna send you the clip of her talking to the police afterwards and her thought process as to why she felt the it still didn't make no sense. It didn't make any sense. She just said, I just asked him um how he wanted his money. And he told she kept telling me to look at the at look well, at, she, the note. at the note. Yeah, because he wants you to be discreet. <laughs> you 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 you're asking me, how do you want your bills? Look at the paper. Look at the paper. <laughs> I'm telling you how just look at the paper. <laughs> you study asking me. I'm just like, you know what? She yeah. she had no clue what discreet meant. She didn't know what discreet was. Yeah, that's what that was. I was like, I don't think she's in, but banking is not for her. No. Banking is not for that manager either, because the manager mm -hmm. clearly didn't use, you know, um, critical thinking. So, yeah. And Bank of America definitely don't want this. 
The Bank of America probably was relieved though that it was a black uh, a black worker and not a white worker. <laughs> you, know, you know it was. It's like, oh God, they were black. Yes. <laughs> I, and it, I mean, I don't think that 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 blew me, but that lady in the that 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 security guard that when he when they was walking him out when she the one who was like, "Good job," she blew me too, just as much as the manager. I'm like, girl. What's a good job? Like you don't even know what happened. You sitting right. there saying good job because another job. black a black man is in cuffs, girl. Yeah, that that was a that was the L for us today. She get her goofy ass out of here. Yeah, she she was she definitely on the goofy side. Yeah, so. man. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so but yeah, that was that's this is it for us. You got any shout outs, bro? Shout outs to oh yeah, shout outs to the brothers from Reasonable English Podcast. Um, what up, y'all? We doing. We, we're gonna do one big show together. It's, we 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 brainstorming. We brainstorming. We in the, we, we in the works. Yeah, we brainstorming. <laughs> but uh, yeah. shout out to all the listeners, the new listeners. Um, shout out to everybody who's leave, been leaving comments, man. We appreciate that. Um, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Some of this, some of that podcast. Uh, we're on IG, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Spotify. You can find us on all those DSPs. For sure. For sure. And I want to, uh, again, thank Darnell and Elwina for joining us today. Shout out to the whole class 1999 at Lane Tech. Uh, that's, that, that was uh, for, for obvious reasons. This was the, the I, I bet the best year, best class to come out of that school. But um, I thank them for being a part of our show. Um, and we're going to be back next week with another good episode. Um, yep, another good episode. We hope y'all don't forget, y'all, y'all make sure y'all sign up if you ain't. Subscribe to YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so you can know automatically when we go on live. So yeah. y'all definitely check it out. And get y'all popcorn ready for next week. Get your popcorn ready. We're gonna be talking about some 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 good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Yeah, y'all. Peace. Peace.